welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast, where we discuss an eclectic range of topics, including business, design, Texas culture, and everything in between. We're two teachers that turned a side hustle into a nationally known apparel brand, and now we work with some of the biggest names in Texas. We strive to never stop exploring and continue to draw inspiration from our adventures. So drift and explore or raise a glass. We're always ready to hang out and talk about the things that we love. So come roll with us as we drift and explore. Hey, hey, I'm Brian Weissong, co-owner and founder of Tumbleweed Textiles, and I have Jeb with me. Hey, good morning, y'all. And today we are excited to have one of our teammates, uh, a guy we've known for a long time uh, with us. we got Brandon Gonzalez. How is it going, guys? Fantastic. Going good. No school today. It's a Monday. I know. So you go like that. Monday so, of a long weekend. Well, Brandon, I want you to share a little bit. Who are you? Uh, kind of a little bit intro of kind of your background, how you are even associated with Tumbleweed Textiles. All right. Uh, Brandon Gonzalez. Um I'm currently with Tumbleweed Textiles. I uh, manage our warehouse as where as well as um, I'm the events coordinator. So uh, I know we're going to get into that a lot and, and or some here in a little bit. But um, I've known you guys for a long, long, long time. Uh, my first year teaching in Frisco ISD was at Clark Middle School with Jeb. We actually coached together back then, back in the day. Um, and then uh, once Liberty opened, he jumped up there. I went a couple of years later. Uh, since 2009, I've been at Liberty. Um, coached a multitude of sports. Um, my biggest thing was always I was a, a football coach until recently. Um, and that's also, I guess, how I met you, Brian, through the uh, through the coaching world when you yeah. were a Red Hawk. That's right. Once a Red Hawk, always a Red Hawk. <laughs> um, all I can go through in my head right now is 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 music. And I wish right now we could just have a song playing. If if you had an intro song as you walked out to this podcast, or maybe back when you played high school, what would that song be? I'm I'm definitely still you know child of the '90s, and so it's going to be a lot of that either late '80s, early '90s rock. I mean, um, ACDC, some Back in Black, or <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, maybe Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, there you um, go. But you know. Coaching when I was out in the field, and whenever I'd hear bands start to play, I always and still I I dig uh, Seven Nation Army. Okay. You know when 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 that baseline that drum hits, it's just like oh, okay, this is we're about to get excited. Yeah, that's, so, that's the White Stripes, right? Yeah, the White Stripes. That's a good one. Well, I, I just have the tune da 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 da. Right now, it might be ain't nothing but a G thing, baby, <laughs> but B thing. You know, I don't know why. I, I just I picture myself rolling up the. My first car was a uh, 93 Caprice Classic. You probably have no clue what that was, but it's like the old cop cars. Oh, and I, yeah. And I would yeah. literally roll up in that song to, to school almost every day. So. so that's your song? It would definitely be my song. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, who sings that? Uh, Snoop and that's right. Dre. That's right. But if I was having more of a, like, before soccer games, I always, I, I know this guy's a little political right now, so all politics to the side, but Kid Rock, his ball to the ball to bang to bang, like that play up. And then it starts rocking and rapping. Yeah. I love listening to that before, at least a soccer football game. Yeah. That'll get you pumped. What would you have going on down there at New Braunfels? Well, I'm older than you guys, um, but uh, mine would definitely be some late 80s rap. Um, I'm thinking like LL Cool J, like I'm bad. Okay. Maybe something like that, or like Mama Said Knock You Out. <laughs> don't don't call it a comeback. That's right. Or some, <laughs> maybe even some Eric B and Rakim, paid in full. Just something, you know. 
yeah, like you said, kind of gets me fired up. That's the kind of stuff that yeah. I used to listen to in the pregames. Now, it's a funny thing, like my coach in basketball, he was a big uh, classic rock guy. So all of our warm-up music in high school, he wouldn't let us do rap. <laughs> we all wanted to have rap for our uh, warm-ups, but we always had to do classic rock. So it was like Boston, Thin Lizzy, some of that stuff. So. Well, I was at North Crowley, so we pretty much only had rap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then our linemen would want the heavy metal. So, Yeah, what linemen dig the heavy, heavy, heavy metal. Yeah. I know War, War Pigs was something big um, both when I was in high school and uh, when I was coaching that – they they come out to that and it just got them going. Yeah. So we mentioned uh, you, you mentioned coaching and your background knowing Jeb and uh, I you know I coach soccer uh, at Liberty so we probably got connected somewhere. Uh, whatever coach was on duty at some game that's probably where our paths crossed. But what about teaching? So what what subject uh, and maybe subject now or then uh, did you teach? Do you teach? And uh, like how did you even get into that? Because I know as a coach. Sometimes you go start teaching, or you coach, so you happen to teach whatever's available. Right. For you, uh, what was that, and how did you get into that subject? Yeah, so my degree uh, from, from A&M is actually wildlife biology with uh, specialization in museums. Okay. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, but when I started teaching, I uh, was a middle school teacher, so you kind of hit all sub- subjects, right? When it came time to, to move to high school, I took that test to teach all sciences. And biology, I think, is the only science I haven't taught. Okay. So uh, for a majority of the time I've, I've been there, uh, it's been physics. Um, but I've also taught earth and space. Um, I've taught uh, integrated physics and chemistry. Um, for the last couple of years, I've been with the online programs, uh, working on accelerated kid, credit with kids, uh, move-ins, you know, trying to catch up on credits needed for Texas. Um, it's, a, it's a real cool program that specializes in handling each kid. So it's, sure. it's, it's, been, a, it's been a much different world, um, but it's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. So I think when uh, we started talking with you coming uh, to come on to the team, help out with events, one of the things I mentioned to Jeb, and he also said as well, like, just how detail-oriented you probably had to be because you were an offensive coordinator – you were a science teacher. How do you feel like like the science and all those kind of help play a role within your, you know, being an offensive coach and having to understand the data and all that stuff? Well, I hate to correct anybody, but it was defensive coordinator. Or, I'm so sorry. Why did I say <laughs> which, offensive? Which requires even more attention to yeah, detail yeah. because we have to – a good friend of mine, uh, Coach Swinney, still at Liberty uh, – you know, his 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 quote is offense gets to ask the questions. The defense has to answer them. So yeah, yeah. it required quite a bit of preparation. Um, and that that's my deal. I'm, I'm a big list maker. Yeah. Um, I have to have something uh, that keeps me aligned. Um, I can plan it out and make a template and then use it over and over and over again. Um, a lot of that might be from my science background of having uh, procedures to do to do a lab, to do to write a, a formal lab report. Um, so that stuck with me from college. Um, you know, my notebooks from either game planning days, um, or lesson plans in the classroom are pretty detailed. I mean, I, I don't like to leave too much up in the air. Um, I feel like I can go off on a, on a whim and, and handle things, but it's because I have a lot of attention to detail. Yeah. I think that's helped out a ton with our events just because, that attention to detail, like planning the things that we're going to need for an event. We've we've gotten it down to kind of almost a science, and a lot of it's thanks to Brandon because yeah. he was able to kind of think like, okay, what do we need? 
or if we do a 10 by 20 booth? What do we need if we need a 10 by 10? You know, what's the crowd going to look like? What shirts are we taking? How many, what's the quantity? So used to, when Brian and I would do events on our own, we would just pack like almost everything we had and just take tons of shirts. And then we'd end up just coming home with tons of shirts because we weren't really breaking down the data or we'd have like too much of something Mm -hmm. and of like, whether it's equipment or all kinds of things. But we've kind of, I think with you, Brandon, been able to make those lists like you were talking about and come across um, kind of a standard that we follow uh, for a particular event so that we're more organized. So it's we definitely come to the show ready to go, and it's an easier, quick, up, uh, you know, set up and take down. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about, you know, going back to coaching days, how we'd arrive to the sidelines with our trunks of equipment with, um, you know, the footballs you needed, the the dry erase boards, all just all the materials you need on the sideline. Um, and so try to do it that way, but yeah. Exit is also a big, big yeah. thing. After we've been at a at an event for twelve hours, or maybe it's day three, yeah. when it when it's closed, it's time to go. So yeah. these these events, you know, people see. And I'm sure a lot of listeners have. I mean, we're at festivals all you know across Texas, so I'm sure someone's bound to have seen us somewhere with our red tent, and they see the shirts folded, pretty, maybe blown away a little bit here and there. They see our pretty faces trying to sell our product, um, but they don't know what goes down the hours before the event. I always laugh when someone's like, oh, do you need 30 minutes to set up? You know, so tell us kind of what's the the process prior to an event on that day, like what we do to get set up for that event. Yeah. So usually earlier in the week, actually, you and I communicate a lot about, you know, what, what type of event is it? What, what shirts are going to be good, right? right. Um, is it a barbecue event, music event, what, whatever it may be. Um, so we, we pretty good plan on that. Um, I have started where we, you know, we've got an electrical box. It's got all of our lights and gadgets in it. And then we've got um, a hanger box. It's got everything we need to, to decorate. Um, and then usually Thursday night or Friday night is when we'll, you know, we we'll go and load the, load the van, try to get it in some sort of order where we can pull it out really quickly. Um, get to an event. I, I think all three of us are of the vein of if they say we can be there at 7 o'clock to start setting up, we're usually there at 6.50. Um, which I appreciate. Uh, so we're, you know, usually one of the first groups in, get get things unloaded. Um, oftentimes have to move the van or whatever vehicle we're in far away. So yeah. it's good that we get there early to unload. Um, and then, we, you know, we just kind of take in the area. Um, we look at who's next to us. Um, if there's music, where that is, where the food trucks are. We try to, you know, plan it out to where we can get the most exposure as people walk by. Um and then we just, you know, set up the tent and get the tables, tablecloths going and then kind of stro out the shirts at the beginning and then figure out, okay, let's get these together. Let's get these together. And um, it could be anywhere from a hour to hour and a half process, I guess, For to sure. set up. <clears throat> That's the thing is, it, like, I'm doing an event this coming up weekend. They thought, oh, you got, you know, 30 minutes to set up. Like, no, we, I mean, even though it's a small 10 by 10 tent, it still takes the, the longest thing is folding those shirts, getting them set up. Yeah. And I hate when you're not there because then that means I'm the one having to do that part. Um, but since you've been with Tumbleweed, all right, so we've done some fun stuff, some festivals from, you know, Dal- from Dallas, Murphy, Little Elm, uh, down in uh, Hutto, Georgetown, Tyler. What is there a memory? And this is going to you as well, Joe, like <clears throat> over the last, since post-COVID, since we've been able to get back out and do events, is there a fondest memory, something that just resonates, uh, us being in the moment? Um, you know, one of my favorite 
shows that I've seen is actually one that got cut early. Um, we were out at Little Elm Brewing Crew, <laughs> and uh, the day was just beautiful, but you could see rolling in from the west. It's like, oh, that's that's dark. And it kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Um, Shane Smith and the Saints were the were the the big band, the headliner that night. And the third <laughs> song they sang, they were singing uh, "Hurricane" appropriately. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And the bottom <laughs> absolutely fell out of the sky. I yeah. mean, the little amphitheater that they have on the lake is probably two or three feet kind of sunken above mm-hmm. below the stage. Well, it became a wade pool. Um, there were kids out playing in it. Looked like a <clears throat> splash pad, like a slip and, and slide yeah, out there um, in the mud. People are diving it kind of into our tent because it started to hail. Um, I was thankful for a nice for the nice tents that we yeah. have at that deal, but that was just a. It's just cool, you know. Yeah. That was something out of the ordinary. Um, I think the fact that the song they were playing just it just, it almost seemed like a movie, it, but it, it it was cool. So, Unfortunately, that was the last song they sang, it, right? Because so, the rain. So, so what happened? It was a beer fest, right? Yes. So what happened to all the beer? Um, well, so- <laughs> <laughs> well, they started trying to get rid of it. I, and Carrie and I went it was like two years ago, two years before that, and the same thing, exact same thing happened. Like Cody Canada, he didn't even get a play. He was supposed to play. And it started pouring, and they just called the whole show. And so all the beer vendors have these – they just had <laughs> cases of yeah. beer just sitting there. And so basically it was like, I don't know, like Lord of the Flies kind of – everybody was just like scurrying around, and those people were just giving out free beer. I don't, were they doing that? Um, I don't think it was – because it was later in the day maybe than that think, time. Yeah. It was, so there wasn't as much, but I definitely yeah. left with more than yeah. we came They were with. trying to get rid of it because yeah. a lot of yeah. people that work those tents, they're not necessarily affiliated sometimes with the, the brewery or if it is, it's just like some random sales guy and they just want to get out of there too, get their yeah. tent down. So they're yeah. just like just giving out six packs of stuff. They just want to get out and as quick as someone yeah. else. So. I don't mind adding yeah. to the loadout. <laughs> it, was, it was wild, but I mean, it was unfortunate that we had to cut our sales short that day because it was going to be a fun day and we wanted to see Shane Smith and the Saints yeah, right. finish up, but it was kind of a, as far as mem- memorable stuff, that was definitely a... Well, that has to be, that same night I was over at Texas Music Revolution. Yes. And y'all know I'm a big Charlie Crockett fan. Right. And I was extremely bummed because he was playing that night and there was no way I was going to get to see him because we were going to be taking the tent down, get, you know, getting out of there. But the same thing, it just unloaded, started raining and pouring, and I had uh, a guy named Garrett, you know, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, yeah. his college guy then, and uh, Katie, um, uh, your former student, um, Leland, Leland, yeah. yeah. So we're just in like, what do we do? Like, I mean, the tent literally just broke in, and so I was like, let's just throw everything into my car and let's rock and roll. So the fire, ple- the the fire chief allowed me to pull my car in. We just threw everything wet into my car, and we just all sucking wet went into uh, where Charlie Crockett played. It was oh, awesome. Uh, yeah. And the best part about it was we had just talked to Shiner, so we became friends with them. And same thing, they had all this beer that they just had to unload. So as we were walking in, they were just handing them all. And, of course, Garrett got a few, and he wasn't 21 yet, so he had to hand them over to me. So I was like, <laughs> oh, darn. But it, it was a fun memory, but a bummer we didn't get to sell. Yeah. You know, looking, I guess, if you want to zoom out, kind of bigger picture, it's not a uh, a big memory, but something I think is so cool is the relationships that we've made, both with customers and with with other businesses, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like every time we go somewhere, the the interactions are so positive. People people are so kind when we're out there and excited that we're there, and just, I mean, we might talk for ten minutes before they buy something. Now, some people are in and out, right? But 
um, there's a lot of people that appreciate the fact that we're there and they like telling stories. Um, you know, thinking back to Coke Fest last year, I remember I, I like to watch when they open the gates, right, yeah. at, at big events, uh, Big Texas Beer Fest, when they open and that first crowd comes in. I, that's that kind of gets me, you know. It's at like the beginning of a beginning of a game, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I saw this uh, as a, a family, maybe you know, mom, dad, either son, daughter, or daughter, boyfriend, or something. But the 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 parents and the the male go straight to the stage <laughs> carrying all of their stuff, and the girl, I mean, college age girl, maybe just beelined straight to us, and she was wearing a shirt that she bought the year before, and. She's like, I, I bought this last year, and I, the first thing yeah. I was doing was coming to see you guys. Oh, that's and awesome. Just kind of hung out with us yeah. for a little bit and bought yeah. some more, but that's 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 fun to me. You know, yeah. I, I love building relationships. So what's that? So that vibe, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's something I can – Hillary, my wife's been a part of some a few of our events, but it's been like Mary Main Street. It's never been the fest, so she doesn't get it when I explain how much fun we have. Yeah. Uh, kind of explain – because for you being a customer of ours and a friend, you know, of Jeb's prior to Tumbleweed – and getting to experience that Coke Fest, I think it's almost, you can't even put words behind the vibe and atmosphere of people's appreciation for our tent and our booth and our lifestyle and uh, um, Koozie King over there, uh, <laughs> handing out free koozies and everything. What's that What's that vibe like and how, how different is that or how surprised were you when you got to experience that for the first time? Um, well, you know, the, the first time I did anything was at, at Murphy mm-hmm. at one. I met both of you guys out there, and the day was gorgeous, and, um, you know, there was lots of lots of food and beer flowing, and so it, it, it was – it's a smaller event, but it was really kind of – it was fun, just fun yeah. and intimate, and you get to know people. But those, those, those big fests are – I don't know. It just kind of consumes you, you know, and you – you get moments where you're we're so busy um, in between acts, maybe if it's a multi-act uh, festival, um, just getting slammed with people coming up yeah. to the booth. And then when when the act's going, it thins out a little bit. Maybe somebody kind of hangs around and talks. But, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to put into words. I think you just really have to experience it. Just you feel it. Right. You feel it. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, that's the – I love like talking to people, you know, and like meeting new people and making connections and stuff. And so that's that's kind of where I get my rush. But then you throw in like some of my favorite music or in the food and stuff at these things. It's just and the weather plays a huge role when the yeah. weather is perfect. And right. like it's like we've had a few events where it's just been like everything has just come together. Like the weather was perfect, yeah. the bands were great, the food was great, the people that we saw, the friends, you know, the people. You know, it was just we've had a few of those that have been just. Awesome. Like the yeah. Salina, the first Troubadour Fest they did in Salina was just like, I mean, we could, you couldn't ask for a better no. No. day. It was yeah. so, it was so fun. And then like, I think Coke Fest last year was awesome because, you know, Robert O'Keen was playing and I was so fired up to see him. And then T- Turnpike Troubadours, it was one of their first shows back and it was just, and the weather was great. It was a little hot, but I mean, it was just so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain, but it's just that whole vibe and energy that everyone had. It was just a great yeah, experience you can, overall. You can feel the excitement at them. Yeah, and the thing I love is that. So you got other vendors there sometimes that are selling, just trying to make an extra dollar. I feel like we're truly a part of the experience, and that's the thing that I've had so much fun with is when I see, as a branding perspective, you know, looking at branding wise, I love feel like Troubadour Coke Fest. We're as much of a part of that event as anything else. You know, like like you said, that girl came beeline straight to our booth. Yeah. 
uh, every year people are like, that's their annual tradition is a stop by, buy our newest shirt that year or buy whatever shirt they grew out of or yeah. lost. And, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, it's, it's fun those that come up and you're like, oh, our, our two o'clock model's here because they're wearing a shirt yeah. that they bought the year before. And like, yeah, right. bought that one and this year I'm getting this one. Yeah, that's, for sure. That's fun. Make those connections. Yep. So looking back a little bit, you know, we, you, you mentioned coaching. Uh, that's one of the things that all three of us have in common. Um, and kind of looking at, you know, now you help run our events team. What were, and maybe all three of us, like, and I, I definitely have a long list, but pet peeves as a coach. Uh, was there anything that you remember that just <clears throat> got under your skin uh, when you were coaching? I've I've always, and it, this is just something pounded into my head by both my dad and my grandfather, was just, you know, laziness or not living up to what you could have done. Um, you know, I've had, I was actually in a, at a wedding of a former student uh, this this past weekend, and uh, one of them came to me and said, like, Coach, I just appreciate that you always held us to a high standard. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something I've tried to pass on to, to, to my son is just, hey, I don't I don't know how great we'll ever be at something, but we can be as good as we can be. Um, so as long as as long as a kid always gave me their best, whatever that was, I appreciated it so much. Um, you know, there's there's people and kids that try to just get by on sheer talent and not really have that work ethic, and that that's really a big pet peeve. It's you know you're not you're not using to the best ability the tools you have. Like what what, what what's going on here? Yeah, for sure. So that that one bothered me. Yeah, and when we taught and you know coached in middle school. I think that's an important thing because a lot of those kids haven't kind of really been pushed to their limit. You know, they haven't really been tested or, you know, learned that that trait of, you know, hard work and then how it actually pays off. You know, because when you're playing peewee or whatever it might be, you know, you're not you're, – it's the parents and they're kind of all telling you how great you are and that kind of stuff. And then getting to middle school and they actually get real coaches and their parents aren't around and they, they start to find out that, yeah, you do have to put in some work. And the kids that are putting in the work are – starting to rise a little bit above them. That was one of my pet peeves was just dealing with the parents uh, and them <laughs> yeah. telling me how good their kid was before they'd ever even stepped on the field or court. Oh, he was all-star in FFL in the fourth and fifth grade. They were the Super Bowl champs and just hyping him up like he's just going to be walk on the field and be the starting quarterback. Well, let's let's see what happens first of all. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen this kid play. I'm hearing it all from you. So that was kind of one of the things that used to – kind of irked me was yeah. just the, the hype that some of these kids, and I felt kind of bad for them because, you know, maybe they didn't quite live up to the, yeah. the hype or they didn't grow <laughs> over the summer. And then, the, you know, all the other kids that were, weren't as good as them or second string had grown a little bit bigger and got a little bit stronger and taller. And I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think the, the teacher or sorry, the parent components, probably my biggest pet peeve is club soccer is maybe the worst in my opinion, because a lot of times when it translates from club soccer and high school soccer, um, the, I don't know. Just there's just a uh, an entitlement. Like just because you played club soccer, you think you're great, when that's definitely not the case. You just had enough money to play. Right. But uh, you know, like even this weekend, my son's three years old, and it was just like a moment. It was kind of funny to me because I sat there, and there were is four v four, and uh, the coach came to me or came to Luke and said, "Hey, do you want to play?" And my son's like, "No, I want to sit." And the fire just like just boiled in me, and because as a coach, if a player did not want to play, I was angry. Like you should want to play when you you're out there, right? Um, and he put this one other kid on there that never wants to play. And I was like, okay, so go do it. And the kid starts digging a hole, 
Uh, oh, <laughs> like, it, it, it's so funny because it ended up being the best defensive play of the game. But like, he was in there digging this hole. I'm like, God, my son should be out there playing right now. And the, the other team got the ball, starts dribbling towards their goal to score. And you just look out there, this kid's just digging a hole, digging a hole. And he looks up, he starts like tears in his eyes, like they're coming at me. Oh, he gosh. ran the opposite direction. The ball is going straight to the goal, hits that hole that he was digging, <laughs> and it bounces out of bounds. And I'm like, that was the best defensive play of the game. I thought you said he was going to, I thought you were going to say he yeah. blocked it with his shovel. No, no, he ran the other way. Oh my God. But my point is, prior to the game, that same parent, what got me was they weren't trying to get him out there to play. They're like, we're just out here to have fun. And, and that's okay. And it's true. But I, I hate it when parents aren't trying to get the best for their kid. And like you said, always act like maybe their kid is the best on the team. Uh, just that false, I don't know, uh, false belief of who, who the, what their kid's at. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like you, you mentioned, Brandon, I also had kids on my team when I coached that weren't great, but they had the best spirit. And yeah. so I found the best place for them. Maybe I was like, hey, okay, your best role is going to be like cheer on the team. Like let's root the team. Like, and I made sure I found found opportunities for them to go out there and play because they found their role on the team. Oh yeah, the um, kids that would jump out on for for scout team practice. Yeah. that you know it's a senior that maybe they're not going to get in the game, but they just love the sport, so they're going to come out there and get what they can. Yeah. Um, the kids that worked hard during the off season. Yeah. You know, and that was a big fun time. You know, they're. We used to say say all the time during football season or during uh, during athletics, you know, the, the games are the fun part, but the actual football season is probably actually off season. No doubt, so that's when a lot of games are made and seeing the kids that push themselves and yeah, maybe maybe they did bench one thirty five and now it's one fifty. It's still not nothing fantastic, but that's great for that kid. That, that that those are fun moments. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the. I mean, as far as you know, I haven't coached in been quite a while. Um, but some of the things that I miss about coaching, you know, we're, we're basically kind of those moments like we're just being around the kids in the game planning aspect. Of, I, I love like game planning and like coming up with a strategy or like in-game, you know, yeah. adjustments and things like, oh, they're running a, you know, cover two. We're going to be able to do that, you know, just making adjustments on the fly, coming up with a play like in a timeout that's going to work. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I really miss um, from my coaching days. And um, but but obviously kind of what we were talking about, just watching some of those kids grow. Like they may start out as a little squirt, like in seventh grade, and not be not amount to much, but they work their tail off and they get stronger. And then in eighth grade, they grow a little bit, and they're getting, you know, and then they you see them in high school a few years later, and they're starting on the varsity team, you know, and they were just kind of like a, you know, a participant, but they were yeah. one of the hardest working kids. So and then they're playing running back for uh, uh, Boise State, and then yeah. <laughs> moving on. That's, That's one know, of them for sure. Yeah, I think uh, for me, fondest memory, as probably more as a player than as a coach was. Football, even though soccer was my my sport, uh, football uh, going into you feel like you're really going into battle. Mm-hmm. So like pregame when the our head coach Coach Pappas came rolling in and we're all silent, everyone's sitting on the bench. You know, like like prior to that, we we're all jumping and singing and rapping and yelling and doing all the things that to prep. And then there's that moment where everyone's quiet and he comes in and we do our prayer. And you're, we all hold hands, you know, and start marching out to uh, to the field. I just miss that camaraderie, like that feeling that okay, these are my guys. We got each other's back. Yeah. And there's like turds on that team I didn't like, but in that moment <laughs> of time, if I was a receiver and they're a lineman or something, I, I was looking up to them. You know, like there's that moment of just camaraderie is what I miss most, at least as a player and as a coach, feeling like I was a part of that process as well. 
Yeah, and maybe to kind of tie things back a little bit to where we were, you know, talking about events earlier, that's that's something when I got out of coaching a few years ago, I wondered how I would adapt. You know, I, I, first, I like to stay busy. I'm not a person that I sit around often. So when I thought got out of coaching, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Because I, I just got about 45 hours <laughs> a yeah. week back. Um, and then so started talking to you guys about getting more involved in, in with events, and I did a couple um, – before that, but then once I started really getting invested with it, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like we've got a team that looks up to each other, goes out with each other. You know, there's moments right before they, all right, here we go. This is going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm appreciative of that, that still part of a, a team setting. It's, it's, it cool. keeps things fun. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Some days are better than others, you know, that's, um, that's life. But uh, so this weekend, I saw you post, Jeb, on, uh, I think, Twitter. It looks like you got a big collection from a estate sale. I did. I had a good little uh, estate sale run on Good Friday. It was a, it was a, a sale that I saw on Wednesday that was going to happen, and they were going to do like a pre-sale on Thursday. I'm like, oh, well, crap, I got school. I can't go down to Dallas and go to this, this particular sale. So I waited till Friday morning to go. But luckily, uh, they still had a lot of stuff there, so... Yeah, I collect uh, Lone Star beer, Pearl beer, like memorabilia, stuff like that. So this particular, I guess, sale was from an estate of a former bar owner in Dallas. And so they had a ton of, like, signage and bottles. And, I mean, when I say a lot of bottles and cans, they had, like, boxes of bottles and cans. So I was digging through there. There There's a bunch of other people digging through. But everyone's kind of looking for their own brand. And so a lot of the Lone Star and Pearl stuff was left behind in Shiner. So I grabbed it. So it's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got uh, a lot of collections going, as you know. Well, it's crazy because, uh, of course, I always talk about my son Luke, but uh, he's fu- Easter. Got to buy him some toys, you know. Put in his, well, the Easter Bunny bought him some toys, uh, made them. I don't know what they do with that, but uh, he's into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, wow, oh boy, which it's I love. Back. And so it kind of got me thinking when I saw your post, and it got, and of course, with him duh, liking the same toys I like, like what, what were some things that y'all collected as kids? Uh, toys, whatever. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, we everyone knows your junkie trinket. Uh, go follow him on Twitter, Instagram if you can. Jebediah Texan as well as his artist handle. But uh, what, uh, yeah, what toys, things, knickknacks, things did y'all maybe collect growing up? Um, I guess like every young boy, I was big into baseball cards. So yeah. I've got a. I've got a pretty big card collection, I think, still at my mom's house. Uh, it didn't make the move with me, but um, got big into that and, you know, collected the the Beckett, the magazines that yeah. went along with it where you could find the value. Um, I know that, you know, the two big guys I collected, if if I came across Bo Jackson or Craig Biggio, yeah. those those are my cards. I, I grew up an Astro fan. Now that I've lived here for almost 20 years, it's yeah. I'm a Ranger now, but... Uh, I love collecting those guys. Um, Red Rangers beat the Cubs this weekend. They end up going two, three, well, or two they beat to one. Them one time. Oh, it was one. Oh, one that's one out of three. Well, that was Cubs the one. The one day three. I looked at the score. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Sorry, Bo knows baseball. I'll go back to that. Um, so you said Bo, and who was the other one? Uh, Craig Biggio. Craig Biggio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Must I, be an Astros fan. Yeah, I grew up loved them. You know, we were. I grew up maybe just under two hours away from Houston. So, you know, we can remember those days where you everybody put on your little league uniform and you go with your teammates to the game. Yeah. We did that quite a bit. And then uh, being at school at A&M, it was just over an hour away. So my roommates and I, we'd go quite a bit. 
Um, got some great memories uh, the year with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire chasing the, the home run record. Uh, we'd get to the stadium super early. I, I really think the tickets were either 3 or $5 <laughs> at the gate to go in, and you, you sat in the outfield. So we would be front row left field, you know, like, we're going to get some home run balls yeah, today. Yeah. And the dome, um, right? Yeah, at the old Astrodome. Oh, cool. nice. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so grew up loving the Astros. Um, I, I just always thought it was cool with BGO because, you know, he, he went from catcher to second to center field. So right. he made that transition and just the leadership to be able to do something like that and obviously the athletic ability to do yeah. it. I, I always thought that was, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody else that's done something like that. I was a big Jeff Bagwell fan. So that was, I mean, him, BGO, those are cards yeah. I like collecting. The Killer Bees. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm the you? same as Brandon. When I was little, I guess I started collecting baseball cards probably in 1981 or so. Uh, we lived in Pampa, Texas. And I just remember it kind of being more of a bribe type thing. Like my parents would be like, hey, you need a haircut. If you get a haircut, we'll buy you a couple packs of baseball <laughs> cards. And we're like, okay. So my brother and I would go get our haircuts or whatever. And and that's back in the time where we could kind of like had a little bit of free reign. I think I was like in third grade. My brother was like in – he's a few years younger than me. He might have been like in first grade or something. But – my parents would like let us ride our bikes to like at the time like the drugstore, you know, it would be like a CVS today. So yeah. we'd actually ride our bikes to like I was like in fourth grade, and we go get baseball cards. You know, like thirty five cents a, a pack or something, and they'd have the gum in there and everything. But that's really when we started collecting um, baseball cards. We keep them in shoe boxes. I'd organize them all by team. Um, super, I mean, yeah. I love baseball cards. And then another cool thing I collected in Pampa. Um, since it's up the way up in West Texas, the oil field business was a big deal. So like every oil field company had like stickers. And so I started collecting oil field <laughs> stickers and I still have that collection today. Uh, but like we used to, I used to, my dad like brought his typewriter home from school and like we typed out a, like a letter and like we would write letters to like the different companies and mail them off. We'd get their yeah. uh, address in the yellow pages and we'd write them off and we'd ask them, tell them we were collecting stickers. And they'd, and a lot of them would send us, send us stickers back. You know, it was really cool. So I still have a really cool collection of like oil field stickers from my days in Pampa. Cool. But yeah, baseball cards, I still collect uh, a little bit here and there, but that was like a big yeah. deal for me. And then the oil field stickers. I used to collect all kinds of stuff. I, like, yeah. I was well, always junking and used to. Used to, <laughs> yeah. I still, I still yeah. have a, now I just have a little bit of money to spend, and so now <laughs> the collections have gotten a little bit bigger. But and they and they have beer labels on them. Some of them do, yeah. Yeah, uh, baseball cards for me for sure. Um, I would do that with my father and my my sister, which I hate because now my sister and I are fighting who's going to get that collection oh, one day. Um, Pogs. I don't know if y'all remember what those were. Well, I was teaching when Pogs okay, were popular, so. so I had to deal with kids bringing those to school. <laughs> uh. But I think I was probably the worst collector because I would collect uh, GI Joes and starting lineups. And the, as as we all know, collect you know, it's only valuable if you leave it in the box. I was going to say yeah. I'd get it and we'd keep it in the box. Like two, three, four days go by, I'm like, man, I'm going to play with that. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tear it open. But I we still have all that collection. I mean, we had a house fire when I was in first grade, and that was. Like the box of toys that the uh, fire firemen brought me was a box of my Judgeos and my Hot Wheels. So they actually went back in there and like gathered them all up. Holy cow! So I still have those. I don't know how they didn't melt, but wow. um, and I would put these Judgeos up and like 
play with black cats and mm-hmm. like make little wars with them. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. One of the worst stories with Chase, uh, my best friend growing up, we were sadly, like fifth or sixth grade. Uh, like maybe sixth grade, I don't know, but we we're still playing with GI Joes, <laughs> and his de- brother came in from college and made com- really fun of us. Um, and I never played with him a day again after uh, that. So. I'm sure the game in fifth grade that you were playing is a little bit different than when you were a little yeah. kid, though. Like I said, Black Cats or the little M60s or yeah. something. <laughs> the battles got better, <laughs> and we were shooting with Nerf guns and fireworks, and it was a little bit more fun. But uh, I was a horrible collector, of course, but I had a good time doing that, and it. Uh, it kind of taught me a lot, you know, just understanding money and because my parents would give me so much money. I would have so much money to go out and buy something, and I valued enough that I would, you know, save money just to do that. So it, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I grew up in South Lake, uh, southeast Texas, uh, Lake Sam Rayburn, so I did a lot of fishing and you know, was always in the woods. So I don't know if you'd call it a collection, but kind of going back to my organized and list <laughs> how I got into that. My my tackle box or That's my cool. little notebook of uh, of fishing lures, you know, I'd have my oh dang my watermelon red uh, worms or uh, whatever chartreuse crawdaddies or whatever, you know, and I always had those organized by by color and what type of lure it was, and so would you, would you make tallies of uh, which one <laughs> had the most hits on and stuff like that? Yeah, to, to rank them. <laughs> I, I don't uh, nothing written down on paper, but you definitely. You know, you get used to it. Okay, hey, it, it's spring. It just rained, so I might. I need to use this color. All right, okay. we're gonna fish in a creek, so we need to use. Uh, we need to use maybe a, a crawfish instead of a, mm-hmm. a worm or yeah. or whatever. So that's a whole other thing we could go yeah. down. But yeah, I don't know if you call that a collection, but I. No, you have. I had quite that's a cool. few. I just wish you know we had the foresight to to see. I mean, because my I used to have all the Star Wars figures like from the seventies, like when the movie first came out. Yeah. You know, if you just thought, okay, if, if my parents, they were just like a dollar fifty each, or maybe not even that much. You know, you just think like, if you just went in there and bought, you know, four or five Luke Skywalkers and just kept four of them in a box and you just played with one, you know, you could be retired by oh, now for sure. <laughs> some of that stuff. Yeah. Looking back, but you just never know. Well, we still have a little bit of fun. You'll text me or I'll text you. Not not often anymore. About when uh, Walmart or Target will get uh, some b- baseball cards. Yeah. So I still hustle that a little bit. I still hustle a little bit. I haven't put them on eBay. I'm still holding them on. Hopefully they keep their value. I got a few boxes myself. So, uh, you know, all this said, I hope you all have been able to get to know a little bit about Brandon. You know, for eight years, Jeb and I, with maybe his daughter Meredith, Carrie, his wife, my wife, Hillary, uh, a few of our team members, we would go hustle events. Um, So it's great to have Brandon with us. Uh, being the brains behind it now, it, it's it's great to know you're getting that warehouse put together, getting that product ready. Uh, it's been a significant blessing for me, and I know Jeb as well. Um, but I think there's one question right now in this day and age, and not to get too political at the moment, uh, but I think we all know there's a lot of turds out there going after the education world, um, politicians that don't know what they're doing that wants to be uh, you know, trying to be on school boards and things. And because of some of this stuff, you know, there's a lot of teachers trying to figure out, man, like, how did those guys do it? Like, they, they left education, they're, they're hustling money. We all have a few friends here and there that are out in the corporate world now living life. Um, is there any advice, tips, thoughts that we all three as, as current teachers, former teachers, coaches can lay out there for other aspiring teachers that want Maybe not to even leave the education field because I don't want to promote that. 
because we want good teachers that remain in the field for our kids. Um, but maybe a side hustle, something that allows them to still have the best of both worlds, uh, enjoy life, take care of their family, uh, but have a good time. Wow. Well, I think the the power of the internet has 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 opened so many doors for so many people. I mean, there's uh, to me that I think there's so many ways that you can make extra income now than you couldn't like say ten years ago. I think yeah. it's been I think there's been so many different deals. I mean, selling on Etsy, um, creating your own crafts. Um, there's you know now you know where you can if you're an English teacher, there's things you can do with copywriting. Um, you know, you can get on a site like Fiverr. And, you know, you can write copy for people, you know, for certain amounts of money. You can, I mean, there's just, to me, there's just so many different things you can do um, outside, you know, whether it's proofreading things, um, small design type, you know, jobs and things that you could take. So, yeah, yeah I mean, everybody's kind of looking for a side hustle, you know, sometimes, you know, to, to to supplement maybe what they're getting paid as a teacher. And and I think there's a lot of opportunities that I think you just need to kind of find your niche and what you're strong at and and see if there's something out there online that, that can help you. But, I mean, shoot, with the economy that we're in right now, um, there's a lot of businesses struggling just to find, like, you know, those little, you know, part-time type job type stuff. So I think yeah, there's work out there. Yeah. And Brandon, you know, throw out him. Like, you know, so he, you, you don't own this business, but you also have, and this is briefly, but so you have a little plug out there with a little bit of, of your barbecue hustle. Um, you know, kind of share a little bit about that and, um, just maybe your thoughts about you just getting plugged in with someone else's business like ours, um, to do what you're doing. Yeah. So the, the barbecue stuff I was doing is actually kicked off like right with, uh, the kind of, I guess the COVID shutdown. Um, I've always barbecued, um, or cooked, I guess, you know, but my dad was a firefighter. My grandfather was a firefighter. And so they were you know, they would kind of cook in the firehouse, fire station, I guess. And so they'd come home and do the same thing. I just, I got into it that way. I'm, you know, I've done chili cook-offs. I've kind of done some different things like that, just out of enjoyment. So um, once, uh, once things kind of started shutting down, I would just barbecue out in our driveway and neighbors started coming up and asking. Um, so next thing I know, I'm sending out emails to the neighborhood and other friends I know, and hey, I'm doing some brisket and pork belly this weekend. Anybody interested? And you know, I'd always seem to kind of sell enough exactly of what I was throwing on the pit. So it worked out well. Yeah, it's good, too. Um, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, well, when uh, Hillary and I had Zach, you, you were kind enough to drop by some food, and it was awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I, man, I appreciate it. It's, you know, you asked the question about what, what could you find, um, and, you know, you kind of go back to your why of why are you looking for a second job? Is it because you need the money? Is it because... You need to fill your bucket with something you enjoy, and uh, that was something I enjoyed. But you know, just being out. Usually, kind of people would come through a little bit, hang out, maybe have a drink or two, and then they'd leave, and somebody else would come. So I was getting to hang out with friends, um, either doing the the neighborhood barbecues. Um, I've cooked for a couple of. I've done uh, retirement parties. I, I I barbecued for Coach K whenever he he yeah. retired from Frisco ISD. Um, I've had gender reveal parties. <laughs> Um, I've got a, another friend that, uh, they own a wedding venue downtown and, you know, we started doing kind of dinner parties, um, cool. where I would either do, and that was just a little bit different. Mike would have barbecue, but it was more like steak or uh salmon or something like that. And 
just, you know, I don't know. It was, it, it was fun. So my why was I got to unplug and just cook and hang out for a little while. Right. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, with my, my hustle with tumbleweed is, yeah, there's there's times where it's a lot of work, but I get genuine enjoyment out of it. So that's kind of my why. Um, it, it, it does supplement, but I it's a time to fill my, my bucket, if you yeah. will. <clears throat> and I'll throw this out there. Um, and I'll, I'll let Jeb have any final thoughts uh, to this, but – um, you, you had never hesitated to ask, Hey, is this possible? Is this possible? Right. And I say that cause Jeb and I, and of course now you, if there's any, any teachers out there that are extremely hard workers, want to hustle, uh, are trustworthy. Like we're always looking to even kind of grow our team mm-hmm. so that we can expand and conquer more events, but we don't know others might be interested but they want to work with us, but they're afraid to ask. That's the beautiful thing about with what you did is you asked and you got plugged in and now you're as much a part of our team as anyone on our team. So, um, you know, any of those teachers are listening again, hard work, you got to check all the right boxes because we got to have someone that we can trust. Um, but I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to be a part of the team. Well, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Look forward to keeping it, keeping it rock and rolling. Heck Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, thanks for all you do, Brandon. We appreciate it. And I guess this is a per- public service announcement if anyone's listening, you know. Yeah, if you want to come hustle with us sometime, <laughs> reach out. We'll see if it's a good fit. We can, like, put you at it. We can start just folding some shirts somewhere. And see what <laughs> <laughs> Let's work your way up. Get the yeah. grind. So, anyway, I think that was a good combo today. Um, you guys have a great week. I think we're going to wrap it up, and uh, maybe we'll see you at one of our events coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Let's go. Adios. Yeah. See you guys.